Welcome to this special Progress with Unity podcast featuring Wigan Athletic Supporters Club Chair, Caroline Molyneux, Wigan Constituency MP, Lisa Nandy, and AFC Wigan Ladies Coach, Megan Walker. And if you're wondering why we've got a full female crew on this particular podcast, it's because we are celebrating International Women's Day, which is a UN day celebrated by the United Nations. And the purpose of the day is to uphold women's achievements, recognise challenges and focus on greater attention on women's rights and gender equality. Right, shall we do some introductions, ladies? Hi, Megan, how are you doing? Hello, I'm good, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And just give us a little brief tale about yourself. I'm Megan, I am AFC Wigan Ladies coach been involved with AFC Wigan about 18 months nearly now um, and I'm obviously a massive Wigan athletic fan. Lisa Nandy, most people know who you are. <laughs> for good or bad, <laughs> yeah. So I'm Lisa, I've been the MP for Wigan for the last 12 years. It's been quite an eventful 12 years for lots of reasons and there's been lots of battles that we've had to fight over those 12 years some of which we've won, many of which we've lost. But the one of the ones that I'm most proud of winning was the battle to save Wigan Athletic, which we didn't necessarily think we would do. There were times when we were in complete and utter despair um, and thinking that it was completely hopeless. But one of the things that I really learned over that time is how close the footballing community is. And also, given that we're talking about International Women's Day, just how many women are the absolute driving force of some of that, including Caroline, who's on your podcast, and there is a seamless link to you introducing the next guest. Caroline, Caroline Molyneux. Just when Lisa, even when Lisa was saying that about, you know, a moment of, of being proud about saving Wigan Athletic, it just makes me feel really warm inside. <laughs> just after, you know, just saying that, it's, it, it does, you know, because it was a really, really difficult time. So uh, somebody said to me yesterday at the game, um, are you still bossing people around, Caroline? Because <laughs> we had a full house in the, in the sports club yesterday. And um, I said, yes, as always. I said, do you know that most of the sports club committee is uh, are women? This gentleman said, well, that's the only way to get things done. <laughs> Totally right. Anyway, yes, yeah, so I'm Caroline. I am the chair of Wigan Athletic Supporters Club and have been for a good number of years. And recently, I've been very fortunate enough to become a trustee of the Community Trust as well. So um, I obviously love Wigan Athletic, been watching them for years and um, have in the last 12 months met some new people, including Lisa, uh, and made lots of new new friends who I would class as, you know, good good great people who helped save Wigan Athletic so and me and Lisa both often said uh, if you want to get something done then trust a woman <laughs> if women were, were running the administration it would not have lasted the long the time it lasted 18 <laughs> minutes never mind 18 months <laughs> yeah, Lisa we had that conversation so many times oh every day Shortly before one of us rang up a bloke and terrorised him, whoever it was, into doing whatever needed to be done. The first point on the agenda is inspirations. And I'd just like to say, I think all three of you are inspirations. Inspirations not only to other women, but to, to men as well. And you're you're all in roles that perhaps some people look on as traditionally male roles. Like obviously, Lisa, you're an MP, and there's a lot of male MPs, and it's been like a, a bastion of... of, of 
male domination for, for years and years. Megan, you're a football coach and a manager. I mean, that we're seeing more and more now coming through of, of, uh, of women being involved. And even some women are starting to make inroads into the men's game as well, which is great to see. But it's still a bit of a rarity, if I'm being honest, and there's not enough females involved at that sort of level that you're at. And, and Caroline, chair of a supporters club, I've spoken today to a chair of Fleetwood, and it's it's a fella. And I speak to quite a lot of chairs with our uh, away fans when when I'm uh, seeking opinions about the teams we're playing. And they're always men. You are inspiration to other people that, other females that, they can succeed in these roles. So who are your inspirations? I'd like to, if we look at it from a, a football perspective, as well as a personal perspective and perhaps even an occupational perspective? I think mine's a bit of both. It's like I always look up to people who provide a voice for people who are like less privileged, um, lesser off, and those who are facing sort of injustice, that sort of thing. So for me, um, a massive inspiration is um, Anne Williams. She obviously campaigned for years and years for justice for her son and the other victims of the Hillsborough disaster, despite years and years of obviously the establishment fighting against them and she never gave up. So for me, she's a massive inspiration. What about on a, on a personal level within your own family circle and your friends? Obviously my mum. You know my mum. Um, she keeps my family together. She's you, she's a massive Wigan fan. She's the reason why I'm like I am. She's the reason I'm into football. She's always been, from me growing up, it was always my dad and my dad's mates, my dad's mates' sons, and my mum was always there. She was always the female, and she's always, she always stood up for me and her opinions. You know, if, if, if you kind of... 10, 15 years ago, if you had an opinion, it kind of, it got brushed off because you're female, if that makes sense. And she's always, always give it back sort of thing. She always stood up for us. She stood up for herself and stood up for us. Why should we, why should our opinion be any less just because of our gender? So yeah, my mum is a massive inspiration as well. And has that given you the confidence that you feel you've needed to? Over the last, I reckon over the last five years, I think, I've massively grown in confidence just being involved with football as well. That sort of it gets you communicating with people, gets you communicate. Largely, our club is it's three, four men's teams. So you're communicating with men all day. And the chairman and club secretary, obviously, John and John, um, they're great. But I think it's sometimes hard to have you voices heard as a woman. Sometimes it can be quite intimidating in such a male-dominated field, that sort of thing. But, yeah, definitely she gave me massive confidence to sort of get my voice heard and be confident in my own opinions. And Big shout-out to Lynn, then. <laughs> yeah, massive shout-out. <laughs> Lisa? That was amazing. I was just thinking about it when you were talking, actually, because, you know, like, politics is a very male-dominated world, but there's a bit like football, really. There's no shortage of inspirational women. You know, my own party gave the world Barbara Castle the best prime minister we never had um she said she had this saying in politics guts is all and I think in any male dominated field actually you just got to have a lot of guts about you and you just got to go out and give it a go which was sort of the thing that the spirit that I summoned up when I ran to be Labour leader a couple of years ago it was pretty daunting prospect but you know 
we've had a lot of men who thought they were good enough so why not a woman um so there are there are lots of women in in my field who are lots of whom I've been privileged to meet over the last few years people like Nancy Pelosi and Michelle Obama and the women people like Christiana Figueres who negotiated the um climate change agreement in Paris all those years ago which put us on a path to climate safety that they're incredible and I was thinking particularly football Barry because you gave us such a strong instruction to talk about football there are some women in parliament actually who set up their own team because the blokes wouldn't let them join theirs people like Tracy Crouch who's now running the review into football football governance um Alison McGovern on our side they just wouldn't take no for an answer they you know football doesn't belong to men it belongs to all of us so they they put the foot down and when you mentioned Anne Megan I was thinking about Margaret Aspinall who I've had the privilege to work with over many many years she is she is definitely one of my heroes she's just you know the dignity with which she conducts herself she's still got a photo of her son on her phone and she carries it everywhere that she goes but she's never given up and she will never give up and she stands with other people when they're facing similar injustices so she's definitely an inspiration. And I guess that's the point, isn't it? Because the first person I thought of was my mum. I think, you know, we, we like to look at big superstars, but actually the people that really drive me and inspire me are the people that I've met. So my mum, you know, who was bringing us up um, after my parents got divorced. My dad's a great dad, but he didn't live with us. So she was holding down a job, coming home to tuck us in at night and then going back to work late at night. Um uh, you know, leaving us with a babysitter and working late into the night. And she always gave me the sense that you could do it. You could definitely do it. And she held her own in TV. TV. She was a TV producer at a time when she was the only one, but she did it anyway. And I'll never remember, forget the day that Hillsborough happened because we were in Manchester city centre and she got called into work because she was the editor of the regional news. And I remember sitting in the newsroom till late into the night. She had no childcare. So we were just, me and my sister, little kids, just sort of sitting, watching all of this unfolding, the horror of it unfolding. And, you know, all I remember really is the horror of what was, we were seeing on the TV screens and the decisions that she was having to make about whether to keep the cameras rolling or to free up the cameramen, and they were men, to go and pull people out of the crowds. And I remember just not there not being any other women in the newsroom and nobody else having to also try and work out where the kids were going to sleep that night and who was going to look after them. So it's those ordinary people, the nurses that I've met who helped kept us going through the pandemic, some of them sleeping on friends' sofas so as not to bring COVID back into their own family homes. The, there's a woman called Alex Johnson in Wigan that some of you will know um, who's become a great friend. Her son Jack has chain muscular dystrophy and she's raised more money and done more for medical research in that field through the Joining Jack charity than I think any other individual um, in history. And when there was a few few months ago, they were struggling to get a decent wheelchair for Jack and lots of families struggle because there's a monopoly on who makes wheelchairs in this country. So they're expensive. The prices are kept artificially high and they're not that that great so she just teamed up with a charity and made her own I mean she's the most incredible person and I think for me that they're the people you know as well as some of the people I work with including Caroline not to embarrass you but you know when we were saving Wigan Athletic it was just amazing to be able to work with some really strong women who were so motivated and so passionate and so creative and I think Wigan is really lucky because we've got that in spades and it's one of our greatest assets. Can you follow that Caroline that's all I could say. <laughs> 
Well, I, I, I am getting a little bit emotional at some of the things that both uh, Megan and Lisa are saying and, and thinking about my own story as well. I mean, my mum is incredible. She's fantastic, but she hates football. <laughs> but at, at this point, it's, it, it's my dad I have to mention. He was and is always my inspiration. And we lost him during administration, so he, didn't, he never knew what um, we went through and what happened during administration, but um, when I was a little girl, he would always say the, the words, why stop there? So I would say, oh, dad, I want to be a nurse. And uh, he would say, why stop there? Be a doctor. You know, and that's one of the reasons that I went on to study for a PhD was because I hated the sight of blood. <laughs> I couldn't be a doctor, but I knew that dad was right. You know, why stop there with everything? The sky's the limit. There's always a way around things. And, and during any football time I've always thought about my dad's words why stop there you know we had so many problems during administration but I always kept the mantra that there's always a solution you know there's always a solution and he was such an inspiration to me and the person who introduced me to football and as a male a male role model you just couldn't get any more better and I know people say that about their dads but um, he, he lived in a house full of females and inspired us every day to do the very best that we could be and worked all the hours God sends to send me and my sister to university, the first people in our family to go to university. So he is and always will be my ultimate inspiration. And, and then I'm a scientist as well. So I have lots and lots of science uh, inspirations. So, um, you know, if any of my students are listening to this, they know that I'm going to troll out the people like Marie Curie. I mean, she was just so inspirational in a world where science is has always been male dominated if you look at the Nobel Prize winners she won two the only women woman ever to win two in two different fields and you know she even would go to science events with her husband and her husband would be introduced as the main scientist but of course she is the person who discovered everything so so people like that and then there's I won't go on about science, but I could forever. People like Barbara McClintock, if you know, she discovered movable genes and things like that. So, so there's just so many women in, in the field that I, I work in on a day-to-day basis that are just absolutely inspirational. And then I always think it's good to surround yourself by a few inspirational people who, you know, have got your backs. So during administration just as an example it was very difficult who to you know who to trust who to know you could talk to and but it was very it was difficult but very quick you worked out very quickly who you could trust and people like Lisa like yourself Barry the friends that I built up during that time are and will be continue to be inspirational to me. And, um, you know, I, I, sorry about this, Lisa, but I wasn't very into politics, but because I got to know you through the process, I quickly realized that you break the mold when it comes to politicians, you know, um, you work extremely hard, you get things done, you do what you say uh, you're going to do. And, and I met many people like that during administration that I now consider an inspiration and a friend. I also met many more 
<laughs> are quite the opposite of that. <laughs> but, um, you know, during your life, like I said, you you, you meet people and, and you realise very quickly that they're an inspiration to you. So, yeah, working with people like Lisa, you know, uh, the Wigan ladies team, uh, Megan, female football is coming on leaps and bounds. Uh, we're having a huge drive for Euro 2022 this summer. Uh, and hopefully um, it won't be long until there's a female footballer in uh, in English football. Who knows? Talking of football, what's your own personal football stories? So how, how have you ended up following the Latics? How have you got into football? I never had a choice growing up about football. Um, my mum and dad... I followed Latics up and down the country for about 40 odd years. So it was ingrained in me from being a kid. My mum said they took me to my first game away at Walsall when I was six months old in a high chair. So it was from being able to walk and talk. That's all I've ever known. It's been routine going watching Latics at three o'clock on a Saturday. It's, there's never been any, I've never had a free Saturday for 20 odd years. So it's kind of been ingrained in me. I'm, I don't know if I'm grateful for that or not, because it's a bit stressful being a Latinx fan. But yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, and then obviously watching football got me playing when I was a kid. So I played for Wigan Ladies from being about seven or eight up until I was about 15. Um, and then I played at uni. And then the last couple of years, I wanted to get back into it. And I got in contact with John at AFC Wigan, who was looking to set up a ladies team. They were looking to get girls and women into football who, those who, who want a hobby and want to have fun rather than it being sort of really competitive and an elite sort of team. It's, we, we've just started in a league, which is um, the Lancashire Women's Recreational League. So it's all about bringing beginners in, bringing sideline mums into the into football basically and encouraging women's football from a beginner's level and speaking of which we wouldn't have been able to do any of this with the club without the support of our local councillor provided funding she provided um support and advice um and I think it's Douglas Ward she works for we're based at Scott Lane AFC Wigan so that's someone else who's inspirational to me is our local councillor it's Pat Draper who's helped us we wouldn't have a women's team without her she has gone above and beyond for us um providing advice and support and yeah but she's helped move the club forward and we've now got four teams and a women's team so the age for store is it over 16? it's 16 plus yes yeah, so it's right. open so what would you say to any females thinking about it how would you encourage them to come and participate and is there an opportunity at this moment for them to come and join you yeah definitely we're always looking for new players we we started in our we had our first league game today in the recreational league and we won five nil um so that was it was really good to see all the effort paying off because we've been trying to get to this point with the fa for months and it's finally we finally got to a point where the league started we're always looking for new players we don't need experience we just want people who want to come and have fun want to have a laugh want to get fit just want to have a kick about um you don't need to have experience you don't need to have played before you can have played before if you want to get back into it and you're nervous about returning it's perfect for those sort of players that don't have the confidence to go and join a you know to join a an elite sort of club a professional club but yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to encourage 
anyone, no matter your experience, to join us. Now, how would they do that, though? Is, is there a contact page? Are you on Twitter, <laughs> Facebook? Yeah, we're on Twitter and Instagram, and it's AFC Wigan Ladies um, and Facebook. So if you search us, drop us a message and come down to training. We train, it'll be every Tuesday at Scott Lane um, as soon as it starts getting a bit lighter at night. So at the minute, we're, we're training at Standish every other week. So it'll be every Tuesday at Scott Lane from half six um as soon as the as soon as the nights get a bit lighter hopefully over the next few weeks and then we we play usually on a Sunday um and our league's just started so it's a really good time to join as well and Lisa what what's your personal football story I was literally just following Megan and the team on Twitter <laughs> while you while you're asking me that been caught in the act um so I mean mine, this will be a lot a lot shorter I guess because it's complete opposite of Megan, really. Like members of my family have been lifelong season ticket holders, football supporters of various different teams, but it's just not the case for me at all. So when I became the MP for Wigan in 2010, I obviously started working pretty closely with Latics and with Warriors um, and trying to support the work that they do. Both teams doing amazing work in the community as well as the role that, you know, I saw it when, when we were going through administration, the role that Wigan Athletic play in this, the life of this town, the economic, you know, life, it brings people in, it gets people spending money, you know, it's really important, but also just that sense of pride of, of what we are and that we're, you know, we're a sort of medium-sized town that punches above our weight and sport is a really, really important part of that. So I'd been involved, but there were a couple of things that happened around the same time that sort of slightly changed that for me. First was the FA Cup final. So I, I, like the rest of Wigan, I got on a train and went down to London or a coach. I was on a train uh, with most of Wigan, I think, and got to Wembley. It was like Wigan on tour. It was amazing. I'm, I'm often a bit grumpy when I'm down in London. My colleagues in Parliament say I never smile. And then when they come up here, they're like, oh, my God, you're really happy because I'm at home. And it was the happiest I've been in London, I think, over the last 10 years. It's just down there. And then the result was just, I mean, the just and the exhilaration of it. And, the you know, it was just the most amazing thing. So, like, that absolutely gave me the bug and got me hooked. And... Then around the same time, I'd gone into one of the schools with the community trust to see some of the work that they were doing, one of the primary schools. And there was this trainer. I don't know. I never caught a surname, but she was called Amy. She was a coach. And she got all these kids, these little boys and girls who are about the same age as my little boy now, I guess. She had them all out, putting them through their paces, getting them going. And I'd seen the work that Wigan Athletic had been doing in schools for a long time. I've particularly seen how kids who were really turned off by education would just sit up and pay attention when players came in to do some work on reading and writing with them. And it was amazing. But watching this young woman and watching the effect that it had on all those kids, but particularly on the young women in that playground was electrifying. I just thought, you know, it's like football reaches the parts that other beers can't reach, doesn't it? And it was just amazing. And it's why, you know, the minute that Jonathan Jackson phoned me and said, I, you're not going to quite believe this, but we've been put into administration. I just knew that for however long it took, sorting this out was going to be the priority because it just matters so much on every level. So I guess that's my... 
that was my journey really to that horrible day and then through that difficult time and that dark time and out the other side and why it was so nice to go down again because we've had COVID and it's been really difficult to get to a game, but it was so nice to, I saw you down there, didn't I, Caroline, briefly. It's really nice to just get down there again and be part of the family because I, I think through all of, you know, one of the biggest learning experiences for me as, as the MP for Wigan has been to understand how much it matters and why it matters. You know, when Caroline talks about her, her and her dad going to the football and stuff, she talked to me about it before. It does make me very emotional and we hold these things in trust for future generations. And what we managed to do over the last couple of years means that we pass that down to the next generation and we pass it on. And I'm really proud of being a small part of that. And thank you for all your hard work as well during that administration. Don't think it didn't go noticed and appreciate it because it did. It did indeed. And Caroline, I, I know your story because you've told it to me before, but it, it's a lovely story. So please let the listeners know it as well. Um, I sort of started it before with with Dad and um, the, the fact that I, before I even... Re- I, the only thing I remember was a real, real small child when I first um, went to go to Wigan with my cousin uh, and, and my uncle and my dad. And there were the four of us used to go to Springfield Park, go in the supporters club, stand on, sit on the wall. I couldn't stand on the wall at that time. I'm the St. Andrew's side for, well, every single game. Um, I, I remember not being, I, I don't know why, because I was so little. I remember not being allowed to go to the Leeds United game in 1988. And I couldn't understand why, because I was, I, I think that was my first season ticket year. Obviously, it was because of the trouble. I remember going afterwards and seeing graffiti on the wall that said Leeds United. Again, I couldn't understand why, why that was happening. When we left Springfield Park, I've got a photograph of myself with a crash barrier and it was inside the supporters club. So we're all leaning on the crash barrier inside the supporters club. It was so emotional leaving Springfield Park. And when um, the JJB as was, uh, was being built... Me and my friends used to go down and watch it being built when I was at uni or, you know, just I think I was at uni then. Yeah, I was at uni forever. Um, and we used to go and watch it being built and just sit there with a copy on the, on the step outside the stadium, watch it being built. So it's been totally in my blood for years. When I was at um, high school, I used to be bullied rotten, not, not in a negative way, but people used to say, you know, oh, why don't you watch United? Why do you watch Liverpool? Nobody was a Wigan Athletic fan. There was only me. I think there was one other person in the whole school that was a Wigan fan. So I used to wear my Wigan shirts underneath my school shirt with a big like name and a number on the back so you could see it when I took my blazer off, just to annoy people, really. So, I, you know, I've always promoted Wigan Athletic. And when I was, again, at school, I used to pride myself on knowing every single home ground. I used to uh, have competitions with my dad, a question of sport, who could get the answers right first. I was such a sports geek, but mainly football geek. You know, over the years, um, it just developed. And then um, when we moved to the new stadium, it was Harold Ashurst, actually. Harold Ashurst, if you know Harold Ashurst, he was the Paul Kendrick of many years. And he was a good friend. And, and he said, why don't you come onto the committee, you go to all the games, you go to home and away, you, you could um, you could 
you know, play a role. So I joined the committee at a very young age. And then within a couple of years, everybody left and made me chairman. <laughs> so I've ended up doing it ever since. And that's sort of what happens in life, isn't it? You know, nobody wants to do it. So you end up doing it. <laughs> but I think that administration changed everything. It meant that the supporters really, really mattered. You, you could see how important the supporters were. If you haven't got supporters, you haven't got a football club, it's not the stadium, it's not the players, you know, all of those things, players, people who work there, come and go. It's the fan base, and like Lisa said, the generations of fan base that make up a difference. You know, and my two uh, 11 years old twins they got their first season ticket this year and we sit in the West Stand and um, I have to say Dylan prefers pies to football. I think that's the reason he goes. But Emily plays for the girls football team out of primary school. She loves coming to football. She has a friend now who goes to football and I'm just really proud that, you know, I'm passing down the gauntlet, but particularly to Emily, who hopefully will be a lifelong Latix fan, just like me. Never, I'm hoping that she's 11 now, so I'm hoping within the next 10 years, she'll be the next chairman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I can retire gracefully and leave it in good hands. <laughs> that's still what you, you, your dad used to say, why stop there? I'm going to I'm gonna pinch that off you. That's brilliant. Uh, it really is. And that I can see how that inspired you. My first game was 1971. Uh, I used to stand with a, a, an old lady back in the day on, on uh, St. Andrews on the wall. She used to make her own uh, treacle toffee and bring it in. Her name was Marion. I only knew her through the football. She lived in Aspel. For me, as, as a lad and then a bloke, females at the football, it was commonplace. I, I never thought, oh, there's women here. You know, they shouldn't be here. But what I want to ask all three of you, do you think there is a female-friendly environment within the club and the old feel of things? Do you think we are female-friendly? I think Wigan particularly is. Again, when we talked about administration, it was a time of difficulty in terms of communication, social media. Everybody was sort of highly strung and anything that could be said was said at those times. And I know that... Um, there was quite a lot of people who had been negative about female football influences at the time. Wasn't there, Barry, a famous case of a female um, interviewer being sort of slated on social media and, and didn't you, you come up with something, you know, to ask female role models whether they'd ever felt that? I, I've, I've never felt any different to a male football fan at Wigan just because I'm female, you know, I felt equally, uh, equally attacked. No, I'm only joking. Um, you know, I just, I just mean that I, I don't think there is any inequality. I, I might, I might be wrong, but I've never felt that I shouldn't be at the football or anyone feels that, you know, because I'm a female. I think it's always been a very female friendly club. I mean, our chief executive for many years was Brenda and, um, you know, that she was a trailblazer in football and later on, you know, Karen Brady in a similar way. I remember watching a, an episode of Trisha, something like that. And uh, Brenda was on there with Karen Brady as female role models. And that was when I was a real little girl. So we've always been female friendly. I, I don't feel, I, I think Wigan is, but I do agree that when you go to other football clubs, I mean, we went to Cheltenham the other week and the entire of the 
Cheltenham supporters trust were male. You know, I I, I, didn't, I don't think we saw a female there. And I, I do wonder why other clubs are not as representative as we are. I, I do think that we'd like to encourage more females to come to watch Wigan, particularly, you know, teenage girls. I think you're a little bit of an under, underrepresented group at Wigan and the community trust and the supporters club are doing everything that we can to try to sort of say to girls come along it's a great experience and I think that girls want something different to boys boys want to come with their mates watch the game and then go home and play on the PS4 or the Xbox whereas girls like I I did I wanted more of that experience I wanted to go in the supporters bar with my dad meet my friends meet my uncle have a pie have a drink and then after the game maybe watch the post-match Sky game, you know, it was all about the experience for me. And the same for my mates now, my, you know, my girlfriends now. We want that whole match day experience. So I think that's something we could attract, you know, teenage girls in schools to do. It's something we're looking at for the Wimbledon game. We've got 15 young girls from Hawkley Hall High School coming along with their female teacher. Uh, to the supporters bar and it's something we really want to push going forward so that we could become even more uh, female friendly at Wigan. I've always thought especially I I don't know if you've seen the campaign that Her Game 2 are doing at the moment you see so much derogatory comments that sort of thing and you see how the, the lack of respect that people take for women's opinions on football the work they're doing is really highlighting how bad it is and to be honest I've never really had any issues I think like I said earlier with being always being involved with mom, me and my mum have always gone with my dad and my dad's friends and they've always took us pretty seriously especially recently I think I don't think I've ever had an issue never been treated any differently just because I'm female me and my friend Hannah go to all the away games together. We've been up and down the country together this season. Um, I don't think we've had any issues whatsoever. And we never feel left out for being female. We don't feel any lesser for being female. I think we have a really good tight knit support we can do. Especially recently, I've noticed so many new faces and everyone's so friendly and everyone says hello. And you start you start getting to know people, you know, people you follow on Twitter that you've never met in real life, and they'll say, Oh yeah, you're all right. And just because we're female, we never get any. We never get treated any differently. It's. I. I think at Wigan we don't. Not. Not that I've been a victim of anyway. I don't think we have a problem with that sort of thing. But it's just the like Caroline said. It'd be nice to see more girls turning up and getting getting a bigger proportion of women coming watching us. I sit in ES7 and around where I sit, there, there are a lot of females and there's there's a uh, a guy sits at the back of me. And he's celebrating his 51st wedding anniversary today. And his wife's always with him. In front of us, there's uh, a family come up from Chester with their daughters. Uh, my niece comes with, with me. You know, so there, there are. Is it Wiganers? Do we look after our own and treat everybody equally? I think we do, you know. A Wiganer, somebody once asked me, you know, what's good about Wigan? It's because we speak our mind and we look after each other. And I think that's the community spirit in us that, that does that. Lisa, what would your vision and your hopes for the future be with regards to you know, more females being involved in, in, in the sport and in the football in general? I guess I'd say a couple of things. I mean, I totally defer to Caroline and to Megan about what it's like being A, a woman in uh, football, and B, what it's like, you know, just, just the environment for women. I guess one thing I would say as somebody who's sort of dipped my toe in a few times over the last decade 
is that there's a big difference between what happens at Wigan Athletic in the actual club and what happens online. And I think social media is a big problem. A few years ago, I wrote to the chairman, the former chairman, Dave Whelan, who I, I know well, I've known for some time and I've worked with very well over lots of issues, including the youth zone. And he and I, I think it's fair to say, actually, having had a few moments over the years, are good friends now. And we were at Peter Smith's funeral a few months ago and, you know, it was lovely to see him. And he's he's become a big supporter and champion of mine as well, which is really kind, you know, as I've tried to be to the club. But I'd written to him about an appointment of a manager a few years ago and the club could not have been more open um, about discussing some of the issues that it raised. You know, the Community Trust in particular does a lot of work against racism, against um, sexism, against homophobia and was very keen to make sure that decisions that were made um, about appointments at the club didn't in any way undermine that. And there were lots of people including the chief executive and others who were very open and willing to discuss it. But on social media, I think that night I got, uh, I was just overwhelmed. It was like a tsunami and the police were monitoring it for me, but I was getting a rape and a death threat every second of every minute for about seven or eight hours. And that, you know, that's a particularly gendered experience. You know, a lot of the abuse, it wasn't just that I'd, said something that was perceived to be critical it was definitely very much about me being a woman who'd had the the you know Megan sort of alluded to it I suppose having an opinion about football as a woman you do get it in the neck a bit I've seen it happen to Caroline as well over the time that we've known each other and it's absolutely not been my experience of the club itself the club has been amazing and uh, proactive and a real leader actually in this field in a way that other clubs haven't. But we've got to do something about social media. And in the end, I think that comes down to politicians, really. We've got an online harms bill going through parliament at the moment. It's been going on forever. It's drag, government's dragging its feet on it. You know, there's a reluctance to take on the big money interests behind social media companies. And this sort of thing does drum up business, but it's not acceptable. So, you know, we've got to make sure that football, like everything else, it belongs to us, doesn't it? All of us. And we've got to make sure that it's a welcoming environment. So I think people like me need to do more on that front. And then I guess I would just say that I feel really optimistic about the future because I think partly because I've spent such a lot of time around such inspirational people at Wigan Athletic, you know, the big, the wider Wigan Athletic community. That experience of going through administration and watching people who've been made redundant come into work every day to keep the club going. And it wasn't just Jonathan who I've, you know, will will, will think is, you know, absolutely amazing till the day that I die. It was, it was the whole, it was the whole staff. It was the whole team from the receptionists to the trainers, the coaches, the community trust staff. Everybody was doing it and making sure, you know, there was somebody who was processing payroll who wasn't being paid herself, but was making sure that other people got paid. I mean, that's just incredible, isn't it? I think the future is very bright. I watch more and more young women getting involved. I've just started following Megan's team on social media. I'm going to be down there. You're not going to be able to keep me away. I'll be driving <laughs> up the wall. But, you know, I, I think the future is is very bright. I think, you know, and Wigan is, is a leader in all of that. And I'm just so glad that we've got a club. We've still got a club that is able to, to carry on doing that. So for as long as Wigan Athletic is around, I'll be there and being a champion um, and being a supporter because 
Um, it doesn't just matter to people in Wigan. This is what I learned over that time in administration. Wigan Athletic matters to people all over this country and all over the world. The stuff that we stand up for, the stuff that we stand for, it's amazing. So it's been a pleasure to be part of it. And thanks for having me on the podcast today. I found it's a, a pleasure listening to your stories. The inspiration that you've got from certain people is the inspiration that I've got as well. You know, we're inspired by people doing the right thing and thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to speak to you three it's been a real pleasure thank you